Welcome to Do the Hard Thing, episode 19. I'm Jason Archer, creator, freedom seeker, leader of self, full-time student, part-time teacher of self-mastery, and today is all about self-signaling. The goal, as always, is to dive deeper into how we humans can more effectively move toward the outcomes we want to create. Usually, this means getting uncomfortable and doing hard things. So turn up the volume, put down the distractions, and let's jump in. Now, if you've ever started down a path to create something meaningful in your life, and for whatever reason found yourself not moving toward the outcome you claim to want, no matter the situation, part of you just simply refused to move. This podcast was born from that idea. Do the Hard Thing is an exploration in human movement. So today we're going to be talking about this concept of self-signaling. And to dive into this concept, the first thing I want to do is talk a little bit about how we see ourselves. In other words, who do you see yourself to be at your core? Where does your behavior, where does your personality come from? So these things are almost always given to us, and it's very rare that someone's actually conscious of this. So when I say it's given to you, what I mean by that is that as you're born as you go through your early childhood development, as you go into young adulthood, what's happening is you've got people who are constantly modeling behavior for you. They're modeling this behavior. They're giving you their ways of thinking. They're giving you their frameworks, their viewpoints on the world. And what happens is these start to ingrain themselves in your mind and they start to become programming, if you will. And when things happen to you, whether they are intense not intense, serving you, not serving you, what you do is you go into this framework or these frameworks you've been given and you start to look for answers. So a child that's afraid or an adult that is terrified of rejection will go into the frameworks that they've been given or the fears or the ideas and beliefs that they've been given as a younger person and they'll look for answers. They'll look to mine answers from that. And what happens is a lot of times is we end up responding like people from our life. It's not necessarily a response that we came up with on, on our own. It's a response that was triggered out of the frameworks that we were given as young people. So then we take these frameworks and we run with them and we assume that they're true and we assume that we should attach emotion. We assume we should attach activity to these beliefs and these programs and solidify them in our mind. And that's what we do. So by the time we are somewhere around the age of 18 or so, 19 or so, pretty much about 80 to 90 percent of your personality and your responses have been programmed into you. So your life is really not your own at this point. And the only way to understand this and to get a handle on this and to wrap your mind around this is to start examining yourself so that you can gain an awareness of how it is that you're showing up. There are lots of ways to do this. Of course, you can go through meditation. You can go through journaling. You can go through finding quiet time where you can reflect, but they all come down to this idea of you looking at the situation, looking at your role in it, looking at your responses and gaining an awareness of what's most effective or what could be more effective for you going forward into the future. And so this is where this idea of self-signaling becomes so powerful. So whereas in the first part of this discussion, we're talking a little bit about, you know, how we form some of the beliefs that we carry and how that impacts our personality, how it impacts how we show up. Self-signaling is 
almost like a methodology of realizing that you're not a prisoner, nor are you sort of locked into behaving those ways. So self-signaling was this idea that was brought forth by a man named Dan Ariely. He's a doctor of psychology, and he's written several books primarily focused on the ideas of honesty and cheating. And if you go to TED, you can pull up one of his talks. He talks a little bit about some of the uh, experiments that they've done, some of the results, what that looked like for them. And it's very, very interesting stuff. But this idea of self-signaling is this idea that you can act your way into thinking of yourself differently. In other words, it's not just your environment. It's not just the people around you that cause you to think of yourself, form beliefs, and show up in the world. It's also the actions that you perform. So it can work the other way as well. In his model, this idea of self-signaling, your actions ultimately may end up defining your identity. So for example, let's say you find a wallet. You find a wallet on the ground or you find yourself in possession of someone else's wallet and you go and return it. Well, there's a couple of different ways you can look at this. You can say, well, I returned it because I was raised to be an honest individual. Or you can look at it from the idea of by returning this due to whatever pressures, social, internal, whatever the case may be, I start to look at myself in a different light. And it may be the type of thing where you return the wallet because of social pressure, but that social pressure also praises you for doing what you did. So in a way, you're reinforcing this idea that you're an honest person by performing the act of returning a wallet that's not yours. You're signaling, you're self-signaling that you're an honest person. And this is an idea that you can start solidifying in your brain. And so people self-signal all the time in all different sorts of ways, and a lot of times it goes unnoticed, right? So if you think of self-signaling in terms of how it can negatively serve you, let's look at one of the most common examples. Um, if you go to the fitness world, you go to the diet world, you see people all the time who take on a specific eating program or a specific fitness regime and end up cheating, right? And the cheating doesn't go from zero to 60 in 4.5 seconds. The cheating goes from zero to 60 over a period of misses. So this is what's meant by this idea of 100 being better than 99. So 100% being better than 99%. If I am on an eating program, for example, and I open the door, I say, well, you know, I had a good eating day. Because I had a good eating day, I'm going to allow myself to cheat. I'm going to cheat on dinner and I'm going to, you know, eat whatever this thing is I'm not supposed to eat. Say ice cream, for example. I'm going to consume ice cream and it's not on my program. And what happens is you've opened the door for further cheating. And because you've opened the door for further cheating, it makes it easier for you to do next time. So the next time you have a good eating day, you open the door a little further and maybe you, you don't stop with one serving of ice cream. Now you go for two. Or maybe you have it the next day by habit because the door is open so far now that it doesn't really matter to you anymore that you're eating ice cream. It's not really a big deal. People have seen you doing it. So what you're doing in this sort of incident is you're self-signaling that you don't have the quote-unquote willpower, if there is such a thing, that you don't have the wherewithal or the intestinal fortitude to stick to this program. And because you've self-signaled failure, you start to think of yourself as a person who can't stay 
on an eating program, a person who cannot diet properly. And it all happened simply because you decided to cheat this one time through. The same holds true in the gym. So in the CrossFit world, for example, where myself and my partners own a CrossFit gym, if you go into the gym and there's this idea of we have this really difficult workout to do and there's lots and lots and lots of reps and it's four time and it's front in front of other people, well, who's going to notice if I cut a rep here or cheat a rep there? Who's really going to pull me aside and say, hey, you know what? I saw that you cheated on two reps or I noticed that you skipped one of the movements in that particular workout. It's not going to happen. Everyone's busy doing their own thing. And because you know that as an athlete, because you know that as a CrossFitter, you can literally go in there and cheat if you want to. Maybe it's a rep here, it's a rep there. But what happens is over a period of time is you become the person who cheats. Again, because you've self-signaled that that's who you are. You've told yourself, yeah, I'm going to open the door just a little bit here. I'm going to cut a rep here. I'm going to cut a rep there because I'm not feeling it or whatever the case may be. And then it comes time to put your score down and you put your score down and you don't notate the version of the workout that you did. Well, that becomes easier and easier and easier over time because, again, you self-signal that that's the person that you are. And this is the type of behavior that will ultimately self-signal you into a negative way of being, into behavior that's not going to serve you. The flip side of this is a beautiful thing, though. The flip side of this lets you know that no matter your circumstances kind of going into this, you have the ability to self-signal yourself into a new way of being. You have power over that. You have agency to act in the moment. In other words, you can change the way you see yourself. You can change your identity. So the flip side of this is I go in and no matter how long it takes me to do the workout, no matter who's watching, no matter how poor my performance, I always put down an honest number. And because I always put down an honest number, I become the person who is an honest CrossFitter. Just like if I'm a dieter and I don't open the door and I stay on my program, I self-signal to myself that I am the type of person who can stay on whatever program I choose to enter into. So this isn't rocket science. This isn't something that you're going to have to actually sit down and study. It's just a matter of practicing it. You can become different internally. In other words, you can start to see yourself differently by simply taking small external actions. That's exactly what you want to do. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. You can form new habits. You can form new thought processes that will serve you in completing whatever task you want to put forth. And again, by contrast, once you cheat or lie, you know, you're going to become more likely to do so. So in this particular concept, the hard truth is simply this. Your actions can literally change who you are. They can literally change how you see yourself. And once we start violating our own standards, say with cheating on diets or for monetary incentives or whatever the case may be, we're much more likely to abandon further attempts to control our behavior because we start to see ourselves as the person who is unable to do so. The step that you need to take now is to ask yourself this, where in your life are you self-signaling negativity? Is it in your work life? Is it in the gym? Is it in your relationships? Where do you see an opportunity to apply this concept to your benefit? Once you have that answer, you need to start to honor the work and practice this concept. Come up with at least one way you can use what you've learned in today's podcast to step into a place that requires you to step toward a new, more favorable identity in any role you take on. 
That's it for today, guys. Thanks for listening. If you found value in this message, be sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, Google Play, CastBox, or Stitcher. Share this out with those you know need to hear it on social, and I'll see you back here in the next episode. This is Jason Archer signing off. Now go and do the hard thing.